Welcome to the BizTech Insight Podcast with Michael Axelson, the information systems guy who likes to chat about information technology and business. In this episode, I'm talking with Dr. Sue Kay, the Chief Operating Officer at the Australian Centre for Robotic Vision at QUT. She is a superstar of STEM, and I talk to her about the implications of robots for future work, Industry 4.0, and how exactly she got to work with some really world-class technology. So I'm talking here with Sue Kay of QUT, sitting amongst a lot of robotics material out there. And you're in a really interesting role here, or at least that's what your Twitter feed tells me. <laughs> um, what's your actual job title and where are you? Okay, so my job title is Chief Operating Officer. And so that means I provide the framework that allows us to do all of the research work and some of the other commitments that we've made to the Australian government. Um, yeah. Okay, because normally I think of Chief Operating Officer and that's kind of like the person that keeps the footpaths clean, but that's not what you'd, how you'd describe it, unless a robot's doing it. Uh, well, yeah, no, it is kind of like keeping the footpaths clean. I, I see my role as getting rid of all the obstacles that are in the way of our researchers uh, doing work in uh, a new field that we've created called robotic vision, which is the application of computer vision to robotics. And uh, so really a lot of what I do is just making sure that they have everything in place that they need to be able to get that work done. And we have a lot of other commitments in terms of communication with the public, um, developing our international linkages, working with industry, making sure that a lot of our technologies are actually used by people. And so, you know, there's a lot to put in place to make sure that all of those things happen and happen smoothly. So that's what I see as a Chief Operating Officer's role. Now, I, I am one of my MBA students in the past, he was using, or he wanted to use drones to fly along an orchard and look at the health of the trees. And I saw out there, there's a machine that's, I think that's this robotic vision, it's looking for yeah. fruit and veg. Oh, we don't just look for fruit and veg, we look to harvest it. So, you know, the, the thing that separates a drone from a robot is a drone is a mindless instrument, whereas a robot actually has to make intelligent decisions about the actions that it's going to take without any real-time input from a person. So we would have a robot rather than a drone flying along those orchards and finding some way that the drone could hover around and pick the fruit if necessary or perhaps, you know get some of the worms off the, the <laughs> So actually do some work. Actually physically interact with the environment. Oh, that's yes. interesting because he wanted to take the video and plug it through an AI once it had been taken back at the office. But you're saying so a robotic drone would actually do that processing there and then and take some action and that would be the difference with robots. Yeah, so we would call that the difference between a drone and an unmanned aerial vehicle, if that makes sense. Ah, okay. And... I mean, what your student's proposing to do is very interesting and also very valuable to farmers. Um, I think we have more than a 1,000 drone operators in Australia now, and uh, the big issue that all of them face, or all of the farmers uh, uh, who get all of this data face, is the fact that they have now so much data. Ah. What do they do with it, and how do they interpret it? Now, a bit of data exhaust then. Mm. Yes. Bit of, oh my gosh, I've got all this stuff. I know it's valuable, but I don't have time to do it. Exactly. to look at it. So I suppose the robotics would do something about that data straight away. Exactly. Okay. So this machine takes care of backpackers' jobs, right? So backpackers don't have jobs anymore? Picking fruit? Is that what we're saying? Oh, well, if only that was true. I mean, 30% of Australia's fruit actually rots on the vine because we can't find people at the right price at the right time to grow it. And that was true even before there were changes to the 457 visas. Ah. Which, you know, some people... 
um, uh, you know, associate with the decline of, of, of the number of backpackers available to do that work. Mm-hmm. Um, but even when we had that labour available, we didn't have enough So labor. still, so there's lots of fruit rotting on the vine, so that's one of the um, aspects of what you're trying to achieve here. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge waste. So how did you get here? Because you used to work with us at UQ, didn't you? I did. And you don't do that anymore. Yeah, it's been an interesting path. So my background is actually as a physical scientist. I specialised in an obscure area called isotope geochemistry, which is uh, I used that, I applied that to work out the ages of rocks, which is an important thing in geology. Uh, It can help you understand how the earth works. Uh, And after pursuing that career path for a while, I moved out of academia and I moved more into research communication and research management. And then eventually when we worked together, my focus was more on research commercialization. That's right. So my path has led me from being a researcher myself to being now the person that puts the framework in place for other researchers to do their work and also to hopefully make sure that we can take a lot of that work and commercialise it into products and services that people will use. So is this what you always wanted to do? Or did it start out in one direction, you sort of moved? I'm not like rocks those... were clearly pretty important to you at one stage. Uh, well, I've not ever been the sort of person that knows what I'm going to be doing next. Um, I guess I've always had a strong belief that I'm a pretty useful type of a person and can make a contribution in any field. I didn't even know about geology till I went to university and I was looking for a science subject to do that wasn't physics. <laughs> I'm not sure that's how I'd recommend people choose their subjects. Well, I have to give a bit of background there. My dad's a physics professor and uh-huh. he's at the same university. But I'm so tish. I have oh, so quite a bit of an incentive not to be in dad's classes. Not to do physics. Um, not that there's anything wrong with doing physics. I think it's actually a fantastic subject and everyone should study it. But Except you. <laughs> but in my case, I was looking for a science that wasn't physics and uh, stumbled upon geology and fell in love. So okay. you know, that's why I pursued that for a while. But now I'm in love with robots. So. Ah, okay. Well, we won't go there. But what I'm, <laughs> what I'm wondering, um, so rocks, you're more business-oriented now, but mm. originally would you say more technical? Yeah, very technical. Very technical and now more business-oriented. Yes. Uh, do you find, like, you wouldn't be doing the business without bringing some of the technical to, the, to that relationship either? Yeah, it's more an understanding of the technical because obviously I'm in a different field now. Mm. Um, so the people that I work with are not physical scientists. They're either computer scientists or they're engineers. Um, and, but understanding the process, you know, the scientific method is very important. And also it means you're not afraid of big words. <laughs> Multi-syllables everywhere. Yeah. You can talk about ontology till the cows come home. <laughs> um, so in terms of that contribution, I'm almost hearing to, to the whole centre here. I'm hearing um, you've got that relationship with the computer scientists, keeping them focused or perhaps taking what they do and bringing it out to the outside world? Is that how you describe it? Yeah, both of those things. Both of those things. Yeah. So what's a key challenge there? Well, a key challenge for us has been that fundamentally we're trying to bring two different disciplines together. So computer vision and robotics might not sound like they're very far apart because they are actually composed uh, both of computer scientists and um, uh, engineers. However, computer vision has traditionally only been associated with uh, creating 
uh, algorithms that can interpret images from a static image database or from video, which is purely uh, restricted to what you see on the computer screen. So it powers companies like Facebook and Google. It's the way mm -hmm. that Facebook can recognise the pictures of all of your friends' faces, and, and when it can't, it enrols you to actually help oh. it identify <laughs> everyone. Thank um, you, Facebook, yes. <laughs> uh, whereas with robotics, the, the interaction with the physical environment is critical. Uh, it, robotics is new to using computer vision techniques, and computer vision people are new to actually applying their work to robots. So we're having to bridge that gap between these different specialists and what we're trying to do is actually create a whole new discipline and a whole range of graduates who specialise in a new field, which we call robotic vision. So career highlights for you. You've come from the rocks, research specialisation, now you're here. What's the highlights for you? Oh, this year we launched and you know one of my primary responsibilities was to develop a robotics roadmap for Australia. It's the first one that Australia has had and uh, I think it's critical for Australia's future that we embrace new technologies as quickly as we can. And we are doing some amazing stuff in robotics, but unfortunately no one knows that we are doing that. So <laughs> part of the, the aim of the roadmap was to raise the profile to actually have the opportunity to survey the landscape and actually um, try and get a handle on the capability that we already have in Australian robotics and then look at what the future needs to make sure that we have a strong and vibrant robotics industry here in Australia. And more importantly and more broadly, what we need in Australia is a strong tech sector. Robotics mm -hmm. can't survive on its own. It's part of the tech ecosystem. And at the moment, I think it's fair to say that um, Australia's tech sector is fragmented and uh, yeah, possibly not very uh, well known or... Mm. or described and yet we do some amazing things but it is happening in companies that don't call themselves tech companies it's happening in new resources companies who are leading mm. the world in different areas it's happening even in ag tech where people might not expect it's happening in industries that i guess a lot of people consider old industries you know manufacturing you know, there are some amazing things happening in manufacturing and yet unfortunately we see people don't usually aspire to work in manufacturing. It's seen as a, a dirty, mm -hmm. old-fashioned, almost outdated industry. And yet it's actually really high-tech. Um, I think we probably have to change, as Australians, we have to change the way that we look at the tech industry because a lot of the companies that in Australia would call themselves manufacturing, in America, they would call themselves tech companies. Right. And I think that gives not only... Um, people outside those companies a different perspective, but I think within the companies themselves, it would make them behave differently as well. So you've looked towards the future, the robotics roadmap into the future. What yeah. would you give in terms of advice to someone starting out their career today, if they're starting out in business or even in tech? Well, if you haven't heard of the term Industry 4.0, start familiarising yourself with that term I'll right write that away. One down. <laughs> Uh, Industry 4.0, it's uh, short for the fourth industrial revolution. It's um, essentially how the cyber and physical worlds interact. So how all of the amazing digital information that we're collecting, information that we're collecting from sensors and cameras, how that actually can, how that data can be used and how it can be used to interact with the physical environment with things like robots so that they can be doing useful, interesting mm. things around us. So your advice there is, look at this thing called Industry 4.0. I'm going to assume that for someone starting out, 
the number of changes that they're going to do in terms of their career, in terms of what's topical and what's happening out there, they need to constantly engage with that world. Oh, I think it's everyone has to be a lifelong learner and that's just the way of the world. I think Australia actually has an amazing track record at uh, on an individual level, everyone being very early adopters of technology. So we all love our tech. Mm. Um, it's a matter of probably maybe spending a bit of time to understand that tech, understanding where the trends are going, how they're going to impact on Australia and how we can take advantage of it so that we're not at the mercy of the rest of the world, that we can actually lead the way in certain areas. Do you have any final comments or thoughts? Um, I think it's it's important to have a broad range of interests if at all possible from rocks to robotics uh, <laughs> and everything in between <laughs> <laughs> um, but certainly I think it pays to be curious pays and to be curious if mm-hmm. you don't understand something or uh, if you don't uh, I guess if you don't get why, why someone does, does the sort of work they do then ask questions you know, find out the answers excellent thanks so much for that Sue okay thanks Michael